So welcome everyone to this, which is now the 14th in our series of Thrive London Good Thinking podcasts. My name is Tracy Parr and I'm the Director of Transformation for Good Thinking, London's Digital Mental Wellbeing Service. Today's podcast concerns people who have obsessive compulsive disorder. For those who have this disorder, the pandemic can be particularly challenging, but the psychological impact goes further. Our worries during the pandemic can drive us to safety behaviours that we might struggle to give up when they are no longer needed. Some may struggle later to leave lockdown psychologically. In this podcast, Dr Richard Graham, Good Thinking's clinical director and a psychiatrist, is in discussion with Tracy Taylor. Tracy is a cognitive behaviour therapist at the Centre for Anxiety Disorders and Trauma at South London and the Maudsley NHS Foundation Trust. She's clinical lead for the National OCD Service, and here she shares her insights and advice for those trying to overcome OCD at this time, and her recommendations on how to live well after lockdown. Over to you, Richard and Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. What I wondered about as a starting point, though, is would you be able to say something about what OCD is, what it might be like to live with at the moment, of what sort of feelings, issues might crop up? Well, I guess most people would define OCD as people having recurrent intrusive thoughts or images or impulses about things that either cause them some anxiety or distress or don't seem to fit with the kind of person they are. So the content of those obsessive thoughts might be about things like contamination, or they might be about sexually unwanted thoughts. They might be about orderliness or a whole range of things. When these thoughts occur, People tend to do things to try and reduce the anxiety associated with the thoughts and in their minds reduce the threat that they feel is imminent to them. So there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of distress and there's usually a lot of doing things to cope with anxiety, which might be things in their minds or they might be very physical things like checking or washing. So for somebody with OCD, they will suddenly have something break into their mind almost in a really sort of unexpected and unwanted way that is just really distressing in itself. And then there may be something about that thought that is distressing, causes anxiety, and that they feel some pressure to do something to try and reduce that. And I guess it's important to say that usually people who suffer with OCD are people who, by their very nature, are kind, caring people who often feel a larger sense of responsibility for keeping themselves and other people safe and behaving in very high sort of moral standards. So they're often struggling with a desire to be doing good and, and, as you say, sort of being supportive of others. And then something goes wham into their mind in a way that is almost the opposite of that. Yeah, it's kind of like the OCD hijacks everyday life and starts seeing all different ways that they could be acting in the opposite way they'd want to be acting. So that would be sort of OCD in kind of ordinary times, which would be distressing in itself. What is happening for people with OCD at the time of the coronavirus pandemic? Because I guess there are lots of anxious and worrying thoughts that most of us are struggling with. 
It's very interesting to see, really, and I guess OCD is very idiosyncratic and there isn't a blanket way that you can say it's affecting everyone with OCD. And some people, for instance, with OCD feel some kind of comfort almost from the coronavirus epidemic and other people feel a much heightened threat level. You know, there isn't one size fits all, really. Some people might find that us being in lockdown kind of legitimizes avoidance of things that might usually trigger their OCD. So they feel more comfortable, actually, and don't think too much about the virus. Other people with contamination-related concerns might feel legitimized in some of the things that they've been doing for many years and think, well... You know, I was kind of right all along <laughs> and other people might just be in the early days of having OCD and it may be that the content was about something else and that the coronavirus has hijacked their concerns and become a new focus for them. So it's very different for every individual person, really. But you make a really interesting point, which for some people, I guess, government advice, public health advice is almost contradicting what their therapist might have been saying to them for some time. Yes, definitely. And for other people, they can recognise that the government advice is much less than they've been doing. And that can be quite a helpful thing. Well, you know, they're kind of thinking, oh, there is this really big real threat now. We're all in danger of this. People are dying. And yet the government are still only telling people to wash their hands for 20 seconds in a way that isn't the way I've been doing it. I, you know, people with OCD may wash in a very stereotypical way that goes way over 20 seconds and they may stop the washing when they feel comfortable or have achieved a certain set routine. So, yeah, it's different for everybody, I think. One of the things that seems to be a challenge for people with OCD is when some of those strategies to reduce anxiety and distress kind of have to keep increasing to keep managing the anxiety. And is one of the challenges for people with OCD at the moment that the 20 seconds becomes 30 seconds, a minute, four minutes, an hour, etc., that they could start to slide backwards into more sort of extreme safety behaviours? Yeah, that's very much the way that OCD kind of creeps in, we think. And, you know, we often use this metaphor of OCD as a bully that, you know, demands more and more over time. And I think one of the things in therapy is that we like people to see OCD as a bully or an unhelpful force in life. And so, you know, start to stand up to the bully and not give in to its demands because, yes, that's a very real danger. Because in a sense, that bully will never be satisfied. And some people will feel when they start doing these things that it is really helpful and they will feel a real sense of anxiety reduction. And it's about getting it into a context, really, that they're keeping within the normal guidelines that is set for everybody, that there are no exceptions for them that mean they should wash a bit more or the situation that they were just in, whether that means they need to wash more because that's the kind of way that OCD will wheedle in and it will bring up doubts. Or oh, well, the government advice says, you know, wash like that when you come in. But what if you came in and you touched the dog and the dog might be more dirty and you ought to wash a bit more for that? And it will find all sorts of exceptions and bully people into thinking that they have to do more. And to do it again and again, because that doubt undermines you even achieving getting it right. Yes. 
And then perhaps when they've washed their hands, you know, immediately they dry them on the towel and, you know, get doubts about whether the towel's clean enough and whether actually they should wash the towel after each time they've used it. And it goes on and on and on. Yeah. I was thinking, given that your work is based at the National Centre for OCD and, and also Body Dysmorphic Disorder at the Maudsley Hospital, some of your clients probably have lived through similar times in terms of other viruses, pandemics. Do any of them sort of have a sense of how you can cope better if you've got OCD and are living through an extraordinary time like we are at the moment? Well, that's a really interesting question. I, I wish I had somebody that I could call on here. So I'll have to think in mind of an amalgamation of wise things that my past clients have said to me. Probably the one of the most important things would be to get it out in the open, to air your worries with someone else. I think very much in mind of the historical sort of HIV fears and, and how that led to you know, many people getting very worried about HIV and perhaps going on to get obsessional problems. And the use of some of the imagery was very disturbing. And I think people would probably say, steer away from reading, watching, researching. There's a lot of fake news out there as well. Just stick to the bare basic guidelines that we have. Talk to friends, family, loved ones at times that you feel you are very worried and kind of do some market research as to how other people are coping with these concerns. And just be aware of any changes to your lifestyle. Be on the lookout for spending excessive amounts of time doing things that other people aren't doing. If you find that you're getting more distressed about this pandemic than most people around. Because, I mean, everybody is distressed, but if you seem to be more distressed than those near to you, share that. If it's taking up time, if it's distressing you, if it's, it's starting to interfere in your day-to-day -day life, even in lockdown, we still have some sort of day-to-day -day life, then... You know, think about seeking some help at an early stage or think about getting in touch with one of the charities. OCD UK, OCD Action are really good sources of information, support, and will help you kind of determine whether you're worried to the same extent as everybody else in the population or whether this is becoming an actual problem. So you can reduce isolation, not just in terms of the physical impact of having to stay more at home, but the social isolation could be sort of managed better by reaching out to online communities where, as we often find in health, people like me can be fantastically helpful to someone who's struggling with something. Yes. And I think that's just so powerful. Something over many years, something I've heard so many times is, if only I'd known that other people had thoughts like mine. I thought I was the only wrong. I thought there was something wrong with me. And yeah, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. So in addition to all the anxiety and distress, there's that feeling of shame and perhaps embarrassment that makes it harder for people to share with others. Yes, definitely. When we keep things in, I guess it's a general rule in mental health that things kind of incubate or can sort of slowly grow in a way that becomes less and less manageable. You know, I think too, when we're actually in the lockdown, we're following rules and it might be that for some people it's fine while we're in lockdown and it's acceptable to wear a mask if you feel like it and wash your hands if you, you know, have done certain things. There will be a time 
when lockdown will lift. And it might be that that's the time when people notice it's hard to stop doing some of these things that have been designed for a very real threatening situation. And it's time to go back to life as whatever the new normal will be after this pandemic. Yes, I think one of the things that strikes me about the pandemic is this is the first time that social media and sort of multiple news feeds are impacting upon us all. And some of what we're hearing and seeing, of course, is terribly distressing. And at the same time, being given advice to stick to certain guidelines, whether it's social distancing or hand washing, whatever those particular ones, and, and the message of staying safe rather than keeping well is sort of everywhere. And those, I think, are challenging to us all then in terms of how easily will it be to stop doing things that we thought kept us safe. Because mm. I think everybody is going to feel anxious when we stop doing some of these things we've been advised to do. We can't be 100% certain, an OCD kind of likes certainty, that it's the right time. You know, the politicians are all grappling about when's the right time and, and there won't be 100% certainty. But we can be certain that if we carry on sort of doing all these things, we're all going to get more anxious and worried. And, and for people with OCD, you know, OCD is going to have more chance to take a grip. And, you know, I think it is that balance. Often in OCD, we talk about living a little bit dangerously. And it's usually a kind of joke in therapy because, you know, I know that the people I'm talking to, they're dangerous. is not dangerous at all. It's probably still much higher standard wise than, you know, anyone who doesn't have OCD and in the general kind of realms of things is not going to be dangerous. But that idea that you're know, doing things that actually feel quite dangerous is good when everybody else is doing it and we've been given that kind of advice. Part of the way out of this, because there's a lot of talk about what we do to get out of lockdown, and obviously some of it is coming from those epidemiologists who are tracking how the infection has been spreading. But in some ways, I think your advice to us all is that we might have to bear some anxiety and, and kind of break habits that we've perhaps accommodated to really, really quickly because the risks will be less. And if we don't, we'll kind of live in lockdown for longer than we need, psychologically speaking. Yes, you put that really well. Yeah, it's the cost of our mental health, really, isn't it? which is as important as our physical health. Absolutely, because I think some of the research that we drew on in Good Thinking quite early on in this situation was recognising how isolation and quarantining had an impact on your mental health. But I think, as I understand from what you're saying, Tracy, that you could be quarantined in your own mind, in a sense, sort of trapped with worries and anxieties and finding it difficult to share when other people perhaps are moving on, moving forward a bit more easily. Yes, definitely. I think yeah, there is going to be a time when all of us will have to take some kind of risks or perceived risks and that that's good for us, the society. It's going to be part of breaking free from this horrible pandemic. But I guess with that, of course, will be also the need to somehow process some of the things we've heard or seen along the way as well. And I think you've mentioned, you know, that if you spend too much time online or looking at news feeds, news even itself, you might be exposing yourself to rather too much. I think some psychologists call it environmental punishment, really, which is sort of being so in touch with all the distress and the negative 
aspects of life that it kind of shapes your worldview in a way that also will need to change. Yes, definitely. And I think I've seen lots of really nice tips on your site for keeping well in the pandemic. And I think those are really helpful strategies, you know, not paying too much attention to the social media, you know, the bare bones really, and, you know, trying to do things to keep yourself psychologically well, have contact with other people, don't get too isolated, use virtual means to talk to people, to reach out for help and support, do your bits of exercise or getting out if you're able to use the time to develop some new hobby or talent or skill. It's a very difficult time and given too much free time, these fears can take a grip and work in really unhelpful ways. One of the things that strikes me in your work with people with OCD and this need to live dangerously, uh, that sounds probably a lot more fun than what we're having to live with at the moment, But I guess it does take some sort of courage at some point to sort of either confront that bully or break out of habits that have become more of a prison than a way of protecting you. In your work with people with OCD, have you learnt, you know, what are the things that help them sort of feel able to take those steps to sort of move forward, confront some of the challenges? Maybe interesting for others to hear about how other people have sort of overcome some of those deepest anxieties, really. Yeah, that's a really interesting question and it's making me smile in a way because I, I think it's, it's dead right. People with OCD are, are really brave and courageous and do some really brave and courageous things in therapy. And I think the things that help them do that, I suppose as therapists, we kind of use this analogy of being there with the person to stand up to the OCD when it's really frightening. And sometimes that might be a trusted kind of other who helps as well. It might be some co-working with a partner or friends or parents. But I think probably the most important things are stopping seeing the OCD as, you know, seeing it for what it is, seeing it as some kind of unhelpful force, a bully, a liar, a cheat who's trying to con you out of your life and actually wanting to kick it out of town almost like you would any bully. And I think that once people have kind of got that perspective on it and have some goals and some direction and things that they want to be working towards and and what they need to do to reclaim the bits of life that it had been occupying, then it really is taking those really scary steps. And that might be, you know, doing exposure kind of exercises that usually it does involve quite a lot of that it might be you know deliberately bringing on thoughts that cause a lot of anxiety and distress and doing experiments with reacting differently to them or it might be very physical tasks and I always like to ask people at the end of therapy when you know they're feeling a lot better what they think was the most helpful thing that they did in therapy and it's always the absolute worst thing that they did and we're We'll always have a laugh together about that and remember that time. And I think people do keep very strong memories of doing some really courageous things for them. And of course, they're also really idiosyncratic things. It might be wishing something bad to happen to the therapist or to people out in the street. It might be putting their hand down the toilet. It might be going out of their house, leaving a few things on and going for a walk. People with OCD are incredibly brave and courageous. And and once 
they're using all their powers to get rid of the OCD rather than to meet its demands, then, you know, that's a, a winning situation. And what sounds really great about that is that's also about thinking about what you want to achieve in terms of goals, because I guess we often find in mental health, you know, we can talk about reducing mental health difficulties, but that isn't the same as living a life that's worth having. And so making sure you've got something really positive to work towards or getting back in touch with your values, you know, what's important to you in your life with that sort of tremendous, perhaps so hard for many to imagine, courage that comes to you in facing your worst fears. Yeah, and I think those goals are so important because sometimes it can feel, I think particularly if people have had OCD for a long time, people can live their life according to sort of OCD rules and life can get very small and it can feel like that's the only way it can be. People can get very beaten down and demoralised and stop thinking about the things they wanted to be happen in their life and give up on their hopes and dreams. And I think starting to think about really what life would be like without your OCD, how you'd like it to be, making dreams and plans is one of the most important things really in starting to overcome it. Because once you've got somewhere you're heading, you know, it's just steps along the way. And once you've got some dreams and hopes, that can really give motivation. Yeah, yeah. And it's a real challenge for us all at the moment, sort of daring to think about life beyond lockdown and yet needing to do that so there is a life worth returning to. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, it does sound like there's quite a lot all of us can take away from the uh, courage and commitment your clients have had towards their recovery. Are there any last thoughts about what you've learned over the course of your career about this area where safety and protection and trying to reduce risk, you sort of go down that road and that kind of backfires as a coping strategy, really, you know, following rules and guidelines and safety sort of measures in a way that just at some point does us no good. I think I still feel an enormous amount of hope and optimism for people overcoming OCD. You know, that those safety behaviours give us a sense of calm and reassurance. They're guidelines, really. They're guidelines for a time of crisis. And, you know, following too many rules too strictly is not good for any of us. It's a really interesting area because it reminds me of some conversations with veterans back a few years ago where, oddly, I think Charles Hoagie was head of psychiatry for the military in the US, said having PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, was not helpful during peacetime if you were resettled as a civilian. But when you were on the battlefield, that's exactly the state that was right for the context you were in. And that's who you wanted next to you. And I think so many mental health problems are kind of appropriate for some context, but it's when they take over or we can't stop or shift away from that, that it starts to impact on our life in a way that takes away rather than protects and enhances it. Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, it's important to say too that whatever safety behaviours people are doing, the methods that they've developed over the years to cope with a really distressing problem, you know, it's just getting a different perspective on that problem and really thinking about how those coping strategies are helping to maintain the problem now and to think about what needs to be happening differently, really. Because, you know, people that do really well and are very inventive to develop their own ways of coping with things. And now that they have new information, 
we kind of hope to move things along in a different direction. Well, speaking of moving things along in a different direction, we've sadly almost run out of time. And given that I think one of your suggestions is we might live dangerously, we're going to invite you to do that during this podcast, Tracy. Although I do want to acknowledge again how grateful I think many of us are over the course of our careers that we talk to people who, with courage and motivation, do extraordinary things that help us all. And it sounds like in your work that has definitely been the case. But what we'd like to do now is give you the opportunity to do something that might be a bit more uplifting, perhaps, in this time of lockdown. And that's to give you a different sort of experiment to consider, which is if you could have known that you were going into isolation and could have taken three prominent or famous people with you, who would you have taken? Ah, this is a really hard question, Richard. <laughs> and I'm glad you clarified because I thought it was a desert island. So that changes my choice of people, actually. Bear Grylls was on it for the desert islands. But... <laughs> Perhaps less good in London. <laughs> so I'd have Barack Obama. Okay. Peter Kay and Chaka Khan. You've got music, comedy. And what would the former president be supplying? Wit and wisdom. I think one of the challenges you might find is that three pretty strong personalities. <laughs> so presumably you'll be doing some grounding work along the way. Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> yes, I mean, it could be a desert island, but we think most of us, unfortunately, are rather tied to where we live at the moment. So hopefully you've got space for those larger-than-life characters as well. <laughs> You could take some media with you, a book, film, music, although it sounds like you've thought ahead on that one. Any Anything that you would really like to take that would kind of comfort you in, in some of the sort of harder moments? Some chocolate. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, that's my luxury. So media, I'm reading the book Motherwell at the moment. It's not my best book. If I had to take any book, I guess I might go with the Magus because it's long and I really enjoyed it and it could do with reading again. So that's John Fowles. Yeah. And whilst you're reading the Magus, I think we've already had a bit of a sneak preview of what you'll be doing as well, which is enjoying some chocolate, any particular type, dark milk. You know, some nice milky chocolate would be great. Giant bar. Well, it depends if I have to share it. Yeah, it should be a giant bar. I guess probably everyone likes chocolates. Yeah, I think you should be able to live dangerously at this point and take a giant <laughs> bar with you. It sounds like you've been working very hard for a long time and putting your feet up in a nice giant bar of chocolate might be one of the reasonable rewards to hope for. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tracy. I think this particular podcast will not just be helpful to anyone who has struggled with OCD and, and some of the things they can do, particularly linking up with OCD UK and OCD Action, but for all of us really, who are going to be facing hopefully not too far away now, another massive change to our life of coming out of lockdown and letting go of some of the things we've been advised to do. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been really nice to talk.